0: Welcome to Snape Chat, the voice of the Snape Dome, the podcast where we discuss all things Snape, always. Join us as we dive into the world of the bravest man we ever knew in art, fanfic, meta, and more, obviously. This is Snape Centric with episode 23, where we earn our explicit rating by talking about Snape and sex. Join Dan Puff, Megs, Jalapeno I, Popper, and myself as our discussion ranges from Snape as a virgin to death eater speculation, to casual sex versus love, and common smut tropes. As such, there are content warnings for discussion of sexual violence, non-con, dub-con, self-harm, depression, and kinks of various kinds, as well as an explicit description of a sexual act. If you wish to avoid the latter, skip from approximately one hour, 28 minutes to about, one hour, 46 minutes of the show. This is a jumbo size episode at more than two hours in length. Enjoy the show. This is Snape Centric, and I'm here with Danny. Hello. Megs. Hi. And Jalapeno Eye Popper. Howdy, y'all. You? you can call me Hal. Yes. Okay, so today we're going there. <laughs>
1: Snape oh, yeah. and sex.
0: Wow, out wow, wow.
1: Just what we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've gone
2: there a little bit, but now it's a lot of bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, so should we start with not sex? <laughs> the
3: virgin question? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, yeah. Yeah. I made it this note on our start. outline because I thought it was such an interesting question to lead off. Of this discussion, because canonically we have no evidence of his sexuality, so this is
0: all conjecture. This entire show. So if you're looking for facts, try a different show.
4: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: anyway, yeah. So my question was, did Snape die a virgin?
4: Well,
1: he didn't die.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, We've that's already the first over that.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say,
3: that I hope not. That. Like,
1: yeah yeah
3: yeah I I yeah I just want to give him a little intimacy like mm-hmm. just-
1: <laughs> yeah I will say a lot of people that I've talked to are like there's no way anyone gets to their 30s a virgin and
2: I'm like well mm-hmm. yeah but <laughs> that's not quite it true it's that's like- when I come in the sex averse ace You know, point of view. So there's, you know, (laughs) there's one side of things that I could definitely headcanon um, Severus as asexual. That just has, he had his, you know, strong feelings for Lily, may not have been even to the extent of, you know, sexual, just being the person that gave him the most affection out of anyone that he'd interacted with. So obviously built a strong bond, otherwise, demisexuality of needing that bond before being able to be intimate with someone. So, I can see him, you know, in the queer spectrum in that regard too.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I feel like my my big thought with that is, you know, I can see him like staying a virgin. Not, I don't want to get into insult territory, but it's not that necessarily. Just like it's not really like I'm staying a virgin for reasons. Just right. my
2: life's insane. Yeah, and he's doing busy being him. brilliant. <laughs>
1: you know he was just focused on school and then he was bullied and probably very unpopular and then he gets into the war and like I can see him not having time for that and not having time for like personal relationships but I can also say I had this headcanon that like maybe he would want to like experience it and like go to sex workers for that so I can kind of see it both ways of like being kind of clinical with it, and like I, I want to have this experience. I have these urges. I really don't want to like get like close and personal with people. But there's a solution to that. I could just go pay for it, get it done once a month, whatever. Or he just <laughs> decides it's not something I care about one way or the other. So I'm just not going to worry about it until he does meet <laughs> someone who is worth the time and the intimacy involved in that. so Once a month like, in I- his schedule on the wall. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So on a similar note, there's a popular trope in a lot of fics where he is quite voluntarily celibate due to his strategic position in the war and how dangerous it would be to open up to somebody, anybody, and how that would make them vulnerable and him vulnerable. And there is a different there is a few different levels of selfishness and selflessness there like I need to protect myself from having uh, the ability of someone to leverage that against me and also I don't want to be used against them um so there's a whole lot of potential for angst and self-loathing there that I see in a lot of fix.
1: yeah Mm -hmm. I love angst and self-loathing so
3: yeah
2: perfect
0: that's what Snape's all about I think is angst and self-loathing
2: yes yeah <laughs> especially since his only experience of when he finally makes it known that he has feelings for lily and wants Voldemort to spare her obviously it doesn't go the way that it was promised to happen so anything after that obviously severus was like this i i can't do this. I wasn't even a part of her life anymore. And she, and she died sort of thing. Like if I was directly involved with someone, they would be absolutely at risk. So I completely see that. Absolutely. A fun corollary trope is also
3: using celibacy or even impotence as a rumor to help avoid more distasteful Activities of the Death Eaters,
4: mm-hmm. um,
3: which kind of leads into that uh, next subject of Death Eaters and sex. So we go, we're gonna like taking it zero to hundred here, right? <laughs> From yeah, the question yeah. to mm-hmm.
4: uh,
3: Death Eaters and sex.
0: Yeah, it's you know because it's a children's book series, there isn't going to be any canonical evidence of what Death Eaters get up to, but they're terrorists. And that's, you know, such a common weapon for them.
2: The closest thing we get is at the World Cup when they're like, have the woman, you know, the muggle woman in the air and flip her upside down. And, you know, that's like, I mean, that's still assault in its own way. And that, you know, that's as close as we get, but it's just like, oh, if they're doing that in public, what are they doing behind closed doors? You know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And
0: also... Sex can be used for recruiting or retention Mm -hmm. of members.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
3: Actually,
1: I've rarely seen that trope. So I'm. I'm I've seen it a few times. (laughs) I've seen it a few times where it's like Lucius is like, here, let me seduce you. And now let me tell you about the Dark Lord. (laughs) Yes.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely some Lucius. Ah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm yes yeah
0: lucius is pretty much all about um (laughs) under uh under the i don't know how to say it if if it's kind of sketchy it's lucius you know
2: yeah Yeah. (laughs) i definitely see him like in a lot of i mean it really doesn't matter on the pairing for the most part but if like severus is the central character and he's younger like marauders era it's always lucius who's like the one manipulating and grooming him to you know to pull him into that and and he's always just so like slimy about it you know like it's just mm-hmm. it just is what it is so i definitely i believe that 100%
3: <laughs> well the one tiny bit of canonical evidence we have is Sirius making a comment about being Lucius's lapdog Mm, mm-hmm. And I think Fanon took that one line and ran with it. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Even though I would
3: certainly doubt the authenticity and motives of Sirius saying that and hearing that secondhand from him in particular. Right. Yeah. But it is the one tiny bit we have that we go, okay, so that that is the avenue of how Severus wound up connected to the Death Eaters.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I also I forget what fic it was from, but I remember in a fic it was talking about how Voldemort had uh, tasted all of his new recruits. <laughs> that was oh yeah, that. i read that
2: one too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I absolutely have read at least one like that. <laughs>
4: okay. You
3: know, now that you mention it, I've seen a, more than one fic where it is, in fact, some kind of sex ritual that is your initiation or how you get your dark mark.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, And also, you know, now that I'm thinking of it, even I've used the trope where dark magic itself is something of a lustful draw. Yeah. That it has this, this certain mysterious essence to it that draws you in and, and gives you this taste of power that is so similar
1: to lust.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Because it's giving into the desires over like an emotional or moral you know point of view it's just like here i can give you something that you will enjoy or i will give you something that you just you can forget about everything else or just the power structure of you're now in my control there's nothing you can do and you know it's just there's a lot of things that go into all of that it fits so nicely in
3: the harry potter universe because we have things like the famous line about choosing what is right versus what is easy Mm-hmm. and so what is easy and what feels good with no effort is then this dark magic for sure
4: yeah
3: all right should I get a little deep and connected to the real world um, let's <laughs> yeah, yeah I have a note about <laughs> sex violence in war and I can preface this by saying I'm not exactly a peer-reviewed scholar on the subject but I've been a political activist for women's rights and uh, take a strong interest in Strategy and game theory, and how these are tactics used in war. So, historically speaking, violence and sex violence in war have been around forever. And for millennia, it was about property. <laughs> um, it, as early as uh, the first century BC, we have some writings from Cicero about how this is basically uh, property damage and property theft when an opposing force comes in and does their, what we might call today, rape and pillage. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the origin of the word rape and that phrase kind of comes from taking. And, and it's more about property than about the personhood. It wasn't until the 1600s that we started getting writings from influential enough people that those writings were preserved <laughs> um, that suggest that there is even a difference between like military and civilian persons. So not just women, um, but women, children, innocents of all kinds being separate from the military force. This is a relatively new idea in human history. And even then, those there were some notes you know, trying to establish these as war crimes. And even as early as the 20th century, or as late as the 20th century, it was still very difficult to prosecute. So in like World War 1, at the end of World War 1, there were some charges brought in an international court about rape as a war crime and it didn't stick. Like that's how late in the game we're talking that this is considered a war crime separate from all the others. Um and finally in World War 2 we got some some movement on that. And that's also about the same time that we started to really understand the psychological impact and using sex violence as a method of terrorism and maybe even genocide in war. So so I'm giving this as kind of a big overview of why this is a thing. And and even today, the way we have been conditioned to think about war and violence in war and sex violence in war has this long history of misogyny and property rights over human rights. So seeing that um, the wizarding world... Okay, that was the real world. Now we're back to the wizarding world. Um, The wizarding world is so isolationist. Gosh, what year was the International Statute of Secrecy? Does anyone know? 1600s, was it? 1600s, right? Um, So this is about the same time that we're even starting to see this distinction between civilians and military. And that's right when the wizarding world goes into isolation. And so the wizarding world is not progressing socially at the same rate the Muggle world is in terms of seeing enemies as enemy combatants versus enemy nations that have civilians. So having that distinction is entirely lost on the wizarding world. So it makes a lot of sense that even as late as the 1990s, canonically, we we might build on how our violent history is still very violent and very misogynist and, and looking at people as property and and othering the muggles entirely, rather than seeing, say, muggle leaders and muggle militaries as an enemy, that is the entire group of muggles that is the enemy, or mudbloods, um, Muggleborns, excuse me. <laughs> and the, this notion that, that there's a difference between civilians and military is, is something that sticks out in my mind a lot. And makes it totally believable to me that the Death Eaters would engage in sex violence against muggles and Muggleborns. borns
4: mm-hmm.
1: I can see that. So yeah, there was my high level. <laughs> <laughs> if
3: you really want to know more about that so I would try to keep it super high level to avoid triggering topics that get too deep. Oh, yeah. But yeah, this is a potentially very squicky subject and yeah. if you want more than that as a primer, the Wikipedia article on wartime sex violence is not bad as a starting point. It'll give you a little taste of what to get into if you need to research that for a fic. <laughs> um, that might be a <laughs> decent place to start mm-hmm. um, and, and see where it goes from there. And, yeah. and we'll link that. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Now there's, I don't remember how this came about, but the rumor of Dark Revels
3: where... <laughs> I may have brought this up initially in all the planning stuff, because um, that yeah. is something that <laughs> it's, has been, it's a good thing. Yeah. It has been a trope for a long time. I remember first seeing it in 2001 in a fic called Pawn to Queen by Riley. I think you can only get it on the way back now. I'll find that link. I'll dig it out for us. But it featured an important scene where there was a party going on with the Death Eaters, and... There, I think it was in the Malfoy dungeons, and there were some private rooms involved, and Lucius brings Severus to a private room, and there naked on the bed is Hermione Granger, and has some sort of gift, and he has to sex her to save her um that's one of my one of my favorites yes <laughs> yeah yep yeah. yep yeah. um and oh, and the whole idea like the theme of it it was called pawn to queen because she she started as this pawn and he's then training her in things like the art of war and strategy and and how to come into her own power and and understand her own power so this this is the earliest dark revel fic that i can remember and there is a long history of The Dark Revel being a really good plot device for some hurt and comfort. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the victim is being hurt and Sev has to comfort and support them, or it's more like Sev just came back home from the Revel, broken in body and spirit... And, you know, partner of choice is the only one at Hogwarts who finds him and can help him and heal him. Heal his battered body
1: and soul.
3: Uh (laughs) This is, Uh so yeah, you can tell I've read a lot of those. (laughs) They're, they're
0: probably one of my favorites.
1: I do see that come up a lot. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm planning on having a Snape and Death Eater episode in the future. So So we we can can really dig deep into that.
1: I will say that I've read a lot of stories like that. And I've definitely heard like rebels be mentioned in it, but I never really linked the two is like a dark rebel is like a trope more or less type of thing. Like I never really thought about it that way. It was just like this concept I saw a lot of without really thinking that it had like its own name. So that was cool. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a dark rebel story. (laughs) Whether or not it's like called that by the author. I'm like, that's what that is.
0: That that, yeah, that is a pretty common trope,
1: yeah. So. I love it a lot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, how about sex versus intimacy versus love? I tend to think if he had sex, it was more transactional.
1: Yeah. As in
0: paying for it or...
1: Mm-hmm. Favors.
3: Right. Or as a strategy for his espionage.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
0: yeah to uh keep certain uh what's what's the word allies
1: mm-hmm. yeah so like with fellow death eaters or if he needs like information or if it's just i need a favor or i can see him not seeing it as anything other than a like physical need that needs tearing of Taking care of or something he can trade for something else as opposed to taking it as because I could see him just not thinking he will ever find love and intimacy or even being like scared of it in a sense like I don't want to get close to people in that way so sex is sex and it's never anything else and it is something I can use it is something I can take care of for my body but it's never anything more than that
2: yeah Right.
1: until he meets the right person <laughs> right <laughs> exactly yes i would like to
3: speculate that this is one of the reasons that we snape fans are so in love with the marriage law trope yeah have been since again the early 2000s um the very first formal marriage law challenge was wiktt back in the day i think it was 2002 or 2003 oh wow And there was just a rash of of marriage law fix because suddenly he was forced to be in this sexual relationship and he had to find some way to own it and, and making it a little more transactional was definitely one of the common themes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I didn't realize that uh, the marriage law had such long. um, Oh
1: yeah. Oh Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been around <laughs> since the dawn of time. It feels like,
3: yeah. <laughs> well, and forced pairing, forced bonding, um, corollary tropes have been around since ages, and I mean, early fiction, historic fiction has been um, a lot of that, um, especially
1: in
2: your enemies to loverships. Mm-hmm. What else is going to bring them together? You have to make them right. <laughs> <laughs> Force them. <Yeah. laughs> you will fall in love eventually. Don't worry exactly. about it. Exactly. Just put <laughs> yeah. them in the same room. Let them kill each other for a little while. And then eventually it'll turn out okay. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. And they're in bed. And then they're writing poetry about each yeah. other. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he uh, is canonically a poet. I can totally see is.
1: that. He mm-hmm. is. 100%.
0: <laughs> and then there's there's casual sex, which I would define as... Maybe having the same partner, but without emotions involved.
1: Your friends with benefits or a fuck buddy kind of thing.
3: hmm
1: Right. Those are great for some plot what plot
3: when you just got to scratch mm-hmm. that itch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. hmm mm-hmm. And I can picture him being very, gosh, somebody, Some. I wish I could remember who taught me the phrase emotionally constipated. Um, but he I love, letting it. I love that out. one so much. <laughs> he is keeping it all bottled up, and all you get is this like unleashed passion in the bedroom.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm. That, that is some fantastic stuff um, and totally fits his character. I can also see him being like, if we want to go dark Snape, I know we love our light and oh, I love every shade Snape. of Yeah. <laughs> but we also have every like shade darker Snape. tendencies, right? Mm hmm. Um, mm-hmm so he could easily pull off casual sex in a variety of ways he can brew polyjuice and just be someone else for the night yeah he can legitimize he's a master of mind magic so he would you know know exactly what a partner wants fulfill that get his own in return and then maybe even mess with their mind to make it so they don't know it was him or they don't know what happened um and that's where it gets a little more dark yes uh, which is very tasty
4: mhm mhm
1: and see i feel like i see like the casual hookups of see like picking up people at bars more than having like a set person unless there was just little options but i just feel like for him that would be a little too close to comfort having like a friends with benefits situation i feel like he'd be a little more wary of that of having the same person especially someone he's already close to in some way but I can definitely see him being like, I can go pick up a stranger. I can go to a brothel. I can do X, Y, Z. But I feel like he would want to put some distance there. For me personally, that's what I see. Until he's like, I can just see him being very like worried about falling in love again. And being too close, especially during the war and stuff. So I can definitely just see him being a little more pushing people away. But like once he's there, he's there. But I can see him just being too worried about that to really have anything regular but i could definitely see like the hookups i could definitely see like some polyjuice action mm-hmm. some <laughs> obliviation if need be <laughs> yes
2: yes
0: mm-hmm. uh, marshmallow McGonagall, who i interviewed a few shows back has as one of her common tropes is that snape heals talks and in the course of the healing, they start to get you know kind of going on a sexual thing nice eventually it turns into you know more emotional and
3: Mm -hmm. and such but it's um i don't know snape the healer and snape the curse breaker are totally on my hurt and comfort radar Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay that's good stuff
1: Mm -hmm. i love it
3: okay
0: well there's yeah can he fall in love again and still you know be true to the memory of Lily oh my god
1: yes of course <laughs> yeah. yes absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean
3: when when it comes to the Dope Patronus I'm like team homage rather than team Amour so it's not that I have anything against Snilly. it's just I I find it a little boring I mean, there I said it. <laughs> I would I would rather explore all these other options. I am I'll I'll ship Snape with literally anyone. Bring it on. And so yeah, I think I think it's possible he never was in love. And he doesn't know what love is. He doesn't and he can't in many ways, because of his role, afford to have that kind of vulnerability. So can he fall in love? Yes. Has he? I don't know. And you know what? What can that do
1: to? What can we do to explore his vulnerability? Mm-hmm. That's where where I'm at is. I feel like with Lily, it was just a very like intense friendship. Because like let's let's not underestimate the power of platonic love. Exactly. Like, it's not oh, for sure. A form of love. So like I can see where he. Thought he was in love with Lily, or maybe never was. Like, he always knew they were just friends. Like, I can see he's never been in love and getting to experience it for the first time
2: later in life. And not seeing it (laughs) until it's too late. (laughs) Then
4: love smacks him across the
2: face. (laughs) I'm not in love.
1: I've never been in love. I can't fall in love. No, not for me. No, sir. Get it away from me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is one
3: of the reasons that another one of my favorite tropes is the fake relationship. Yes. Because he will be the very adamant, this is business, this is transactional. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then he catches feels and <laughs> it all just mm-hmm. hits the fan. <laughs>
1: yep. 100%. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I could think of the word, but. I think with Lily, it's more about redemption and love At you know, at that point, he's just dedicated to
2: right in the wrong, you know, mm-hmm. of, and like regret and guilt mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. right. There's a line in one of my recent
3: fics where he's talking to his new love interest and tells her for her, I
2: wanted to die, but for
3: you, I want to live.
2: I love that. Okay, so. I see that. I've seen that a couple times, and I freaking love that for Snape. It's so great. I love it because that's so true. Oh, yeah. I love it too. I love, that. I love it. Yes. Yeah. And I think we all we do really we want Snape to find love, just because of how hard his child you know childhood was, how hard school was for him, going through the war. I mean, you go and see like. From start to finish to the day he dies quote unquote it's like he hasn't had a chance to live, so being able to find that with someone gives us the the comfort as readers too, and you know those that love his character like he can finally live post war if it's like a you know an a u of him living afterwards or or even during you know war stuff. And that's what gives if their slow burns are so convincing because of his issues with actually committing to and understanding and accepting love. So and I and we also love that we're like, we, we want to be along for the journey, even though we're like, severance, wake up, but it's like he's got so many things to work through that he never wanted to and never thought he had to, but then he has to and we're just we're here for it. <laughs> He also has in a lot of fix this fear of
3: commitment that is very understandable canonically because the times he has committed to something he wound up like the branded property of a madman so that that is something that's going to make him shut down
2: potential commitment. Yeah. And even with Dumbledore going to Dumbledore and saying, I'll do anything if you save her. And then he doesn't. So that's another like step of, you know, feeling a betrayal from another powerful man. So it's just, yeah, it's it's. It all of the trust issues, I think. I know. Like that's, yeah, that's every single, so one. many trust issues, so much trauma, so many issues.
1: <laughs> like he deserves to be loved. And then I yeah. feel like he's such a like a big capacity to love that when he did find the right person oh my god they would be blown away by the amount of like pure intense beautiful love he had to give Mm
4: -hmm. so
3: so this kind of leads nicely into the idea of power dynamics in his sexual relationships
4: Mm -hmm. because we're talking about
3: power dynamics here we're talking Mm -hmm. about who has control who (laughs) has leverage so this is one of my favorite topics about Snape and sex, because we can do literally anything with it. You will get your own flavor of any kink, BDSM, power dynamic, whatever you want. So a lot of folks have him as a hard dom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His, he, it's very, very natural to write because of his buttoned up, repressed, in-control nature. And also this idea that he has all this trauma and needs to reclaim his power. Oh, yeah so there's a lot of great a lot of great uh base to make him a dom on any any scale of the spectrum from soft to hard dom but there's also the subby side and i'm i'm very fond of looking at how he can learn to trust other people right and allow someone else to be in control with with the trust that they will not harm him, right? And then, of course, switchiness is always an option. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> in some ways, some ways Dom, some ways sub, and 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 specifically in different situations. Like I'm very much, I very much had see that he's subby in the bedroom. That at the end of the hard day of being in tight control and buttoning up all his emotions behind occupancy he really has to let go and and have someone to trust to to be with him and not be leveraging him
2: yeah that's what i love about this like the switch dynamic of usually i i i see him starting in that dom position because it's natural because he's comfortable and then eventually once those feelings and trust you know come to play then it's like you get the swap and he realizes huh this is actually where I want to be like after all of this. And it's just, it's, I, I, I love that for him and for them and yeah. whoever's involved.
1: <laughs> See, I kind of like the idea of like, he goes towards doming for the, I like, he wants to be in control and, but yeah. it's also like a perception kind of thing, but it's not actually what he wants deep down. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he actually does have this, like, leaning towards being submissive, but then feeling all kinds of shame and fear about that because of all that he's been through. Right. And so when he does find that person he can trust and, like, can, like, for the first time actually be able to be who he is and have what he wants and be able to trust that he's okay and not have to worry about, I'm worried about how this person sees me or I'm worried they're going to do X, Y, Z because he can finally finally just be who he really is and just have that thing that like soothes him and
2: now I'm gonna come on the opposite side of things and <laughs> the, the example of a hurt no comfort situation where Severus feels like he's safe and gives into something and then that person takes advantage of that and uh-huh. it's a very dark <laughs> I love it though (laughs) I know I know that's what I'm saying like I'm like I love every situation that this man could be put in and that's
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like that as like the opening hook of a story Mm -hmm. and then we kind of give him a break
2: by the end right and then maybe it's it's Mm -hmm. figuring out like oh I did that before how can I try that again when I was betrayed like it's all betrayal just so much betrayal over and over and over again that poor man we love just putting him through the ringer like we just just... but the thing is the goal in the end is hopefully to give him love but we want him to suffer for it (laughs) you must suffer first greatly
4: (laughs) oh man
1: oh but then there's like the idea of like oh I dealt with all this suffering and now I have this break, and just like the idea that, like, it was all worth it if this is where he ended up.
2: Yes. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting over here. In my
3: <laughs> I also love a good tragedy, but generally in shorter stories. Like, I. I can't handle a slow burn epic that then is a tragedy, but <laughs> give me, give me that one shot, uh, peer, peer into the life of the tortured death eater, and then canonically kill him off. Like, but that happens. I I'll read fix. I've written fix like that very, very much a, a gut punch of emotion that then sets me up right to go read that slow burn epic <laughs> with all the fluff in it. <laughs> Yeah. And and this is one of my favorite things about Snape in particular is because of the flexibility of the character, we get that he is, he is the master spy, he is the deep cover double agent. We don't know like truly anything about his personal tastes and preferences because he has been under the thumb of these war generals for so long. And and so so we can kind of do whatever and, and if variety is your spice of life, which it is for me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can get a taste of all
1: yeah. of it
2: yeah. yeah I love hate sex too like yeah. when it comes to snack like Sirius yes. and Severus like it's always just gonna be like <laughs> when we can get fluff out of it like great like it's another two you know the potentially broken complicated messed up dudes that them coming together is you know a super it's another one of those toxic relationships that we just love but I, yeah, I love, I love that dynamic too. Anytime that Sev can be with someone like even James Potter, where it's like that that enemies to lovers or just enemies, but we're aware that it's fueled by lust. Like we're coming back to the lust thing and they play off of that, but they know that emotions are never going to be involved because they hate each other too much, but they're like, but the sex <laughs> is really good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> I do just don't in puddle like just just get out like <laughs> uh, okay now leave
3: <laughs> i also am fond of sev being very cold and analytical and using his partner and i think snack lends itself really well to that yes that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. he can and, and it lends itself so well that was the ship i chose when i wrote one of those <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> perfect yeah
3: that uh that notion that, well, in, in my fic, it, it's mapping the dungeons where he is using Sirius to test a potion and it's a sexual aid potion. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, <laughs> we got to do some human trials. Let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and Sirius is getting something out of it, too. he's He got into the situation by exploring a little too deep in the dungeons for the Marauder's Map so they're both kind of getting their own thing out of it and not really thinking about what the other is getting out of it and that makes it this cold calculating delicious Mm -hmm. hard sex nice (laughs) you'll have to link us to that oh yeah Mm -hmm. I mean if you wanted some some excerpts read as well that one is a pretty it's like a 3,000 word one shot I can read as much of it as you want well what do y'all think sure I'm here for it Now or after the discussion? Um, maybe
0: after the discussion. Yeah, I think yeah, that might before, be better before we go to the rex. So, a uh, common trope is the size of Snape's uh, ego. <laughs> um. Nice <laughs> euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't he, know
2: why he, this <laughs> is making me blush <laughs> of all things. <laughs>
3: so before we do the physical attribute the ego is actually important i mean this is the man who coined himself the half-blood prince so Mm -hmm. that is another aspect that kind of lends itself toward that hard dom that experienced snape who kind of knows what he wants and is going to get it Mm -hmm. Um, so that's an interesting interesting basis in canon for for that particular level of dynamic and then, having a big dick does help <laughs>
2: <laughs> dick, energy <laughs> this just and it's also fun to picture that like you know like I picture a very underfed scrawny tall guy and then all of a sudden it's just like whoa like what is that doing <laughs> under I mean that's why he wears robes all this time because he's just like trousers yes. are not gonna be like-,
4: <laughs> <laughs> like it
1: makes me think of a fic called reconciling lily's eyes and in that harry is like it just doesn't look like it fits his body. It right, just I know, yeah. Attached to the rest of it.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> skinny and pale and bony, but it's so big. It's exactly. <laughs> like,
2: is that where all your nutrition is going? <laughs> yes. oh,
4: uh,
3: it also reminds me of um, Desert Seas, An Hour of Snape. And Hermione oh, yeah. thinks she's doing Draco in Polyjuice, and she oh. opens his trousers and goes, oh my god, it's huge. Did you know it was so huge? And Snape's brain is like, did I know my own
4: tick? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, oh, it, it keeps us coming back for more. <laughs>
4: so That's I do right.
3: appreciate the thing that I acknowledge that he might not have a circus penis, that he might in fact have just a normal song, mm-hmm. average pecker, a uh, mm-hmm. typical wood, and that, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, I'm going to get them all out. Um, the the nod to just being an ordinary guy, yeah, kind of gets me. Like he is just a man under those robes, and mm-hmm. and he's a typical dude with a typical body that we we can still desire.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I will say I often just because I've been in fandom for so long and I've read so much stuff, there was a time where I was like, I'm tired of everyone having the biggest penis on planet Earth. Yes. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't help but be a little fond of Snape being a little on the bigger side. I'm like, this man deserves <laughs> it. I'm sorry.
4: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but also like, if he was like more average or on the smaller side, like that could also go into the reason why being intimate with someone like there's, you know, that, that uh, just being so insecure and not just not willing to show that, but then having that person that's just like, you're perfect the way you are. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's so, you know,
1: it's just, I will say, I do like seeing like a small dick and a big, but oh for sure. Absolutely. For Snape in my head, I just, in my heart, he's got a big one. (laughs) I will take okay. any piece yeah. size on any other character, but for Snape, I just I have that preference. <laughs> mm-hmm. In fact, I would like for him to be bigger and his partner to be like tiny. That's what
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want. Oh. <laughs> Are we getting too <laughs> personal on here? <laughs>
0: no, this is what we're talking about. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do, I yeah, I do like difference. whether it's one or the other with like Snary for sure. It's like either Harry is like, you know. Got yeah. it going on, or it's Severus. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. You know
1: what?
2: Specifically,
1: I will accept small dick
2: sev in that
1: situation. You know?
2: Yes, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's kind <laughs> Danny's of over here pondering, like, hmm, did I just go backwards? <laughs> you, in this you, opinion?
1: <laughs> you bring my OTP into it. I had to pause to think. <laughs> exactly.
2: I know. I know.
3: Oh, All right. Man. On this topic, I have a small excerpt to read. No, nice. I'm gonna be very shameless and self-promo. <laughs> by, uh, my Liz fic, my epic girl like that, um, because they do talk about the size of his dick. And she says, I am not a size queen. And I don't picture you as someone to brag about your own prick, even though you'd be slightly in the right to do so. <laughs> but in fact, I've had bigger. So for real, don't do that unless you want to risk me laughing at you. His fists <laughs> clenched at his sides. What the fuck kind of reassurance is that? <laughs> It's the truth, Severus, she smiled, and all you have to do is refrain from asking me mid-stroke if I like taking such a big dick. You can talk dirty all you like about it being yours, fitting me perfectly, and feel free to get creative. I do like dirty talk, and I like your cock, but I understand now you're sensitive to the possibility that I'm making fun of you, and I'm suggesting that it would be a little dangerous to to bring my focus to the size of your dick and thus elicit a flippant response from yours truly. <laughs> He glared, but he flexed his hands, brought them up around her and said, I am getting used to it. You are more flippant than not. That's true, she said brightly. Nice. So there's my little snippet of them being a little bit snarky with each other about the sizes.
4: That.
3: <laughs> that was great. He then proceeds to say that, like, this is really specific. Have you, have you laughed at someone like that before? And yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, anyway
0: also since we're talking about the physical side he often is very scarred
4: mm mm-hmm.
0: from from all his trauma you know started with when he was a kid
1: mhm i always like mentioning the scars personally i did in uh for scenariothon. i wrote a fic called contempt and A big thing I was going for was just I have a very big love of like flawed characters, like personally, physically, I'm like, everyone's flawed. It's fine. I'm leaning into it. And so the first time he and Harry are like, hooking up. And Harry's like, looking at him and like pointing out all of these, like, the physical flaws and looks like all these scars and just how you know his body's different obviously showing like all he's been through and like other physical imperfections like he's his chest is concave his belly is a little soft you know Mm -hmm. hair and like discolored skin and just like all these like imperfect things and then he's like give me (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly he's like he was like trying so hard to be like no just look (laughs) at him like get it out of your system he's like oh no I have to have him now (laughs) it's really interesting to
3: distinguish between like the scars someone else has given him versus just the imperfections of the body Mm -hmm. and and how a typical person will have some imperfections and 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 there's something of a metaphor to be had there about what that physical representation means on the inside and and I think that's one of the reasons we like the scarred Severus so much is we we like to to see him as somebody who has had a lot of bad things happen to him rather than he has done a lot of bad things. So I think there may be a, a connection there with the our favorite scarred Severus. Yes.
0: Okay. Snape's bedroom skills.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be <are they> doing... <laughs>
1: he's just such like a person who's like in search of knowledge and like I feel like he could like earlier talking about like the going to sex workers and stuff how he's just like this is a skill I like being skilled (laughs) right I'm gonna keep doing this and like get better at it as opposed to just like I'm having sex like quote-unquote naturally like I'm not having relationships I'm not just doing it for fun like I am going in I am fulfilling these needs and I am learning things mm-hmm. so go you know, that route of like he spends his younger years having more transactional type sex mm-hmm. The time he gets with his like <laughs> soulmate he's just like
2: very good <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah he's got the the potions text and then he also has like a sex ed text that he has his own notes in there <laughs> like the step-by-step of like how to perform oral sex but then he's just like no that's just no 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 like writing all of these like corrections yeah corrections as far as like no
1: no
4: (laughs) where's
3: the process and I can picture I can picture him being an inventor as well like he invents potions and if he's interested in
1: sex he's going to invent sex potions Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a thing.
4: <laughs> My
1: favorite thing is when he brews his own lube. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's that? It's a noob.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's pretty much the premise of the fic I mentioned, mapping the dungeons that we might read later.
4: Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> um, he also might have enhancement potions. I've seen fics where he. Has stamina potions, right? He has potions that he applies to himself, but for her pleasure.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Whether he pulses or gets bigger or becomes more ribbed or whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Pulsing.
3: I've also seen all sorts of different, what you might consider more like recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. where it puts you in an altered mental state or it enhances arousal in some way or one of the ones I put in one of my fix is doing a topical elixir of euphoria and how that might feel there's there's all sorts of interesting ways to expand on the potions I like I like potions technobabble in my fix as well (laughs) Um, whether I'm reading or writing them I'm trying to make that tag a (laughs) thing So if you browse my fix, you'll see a bunch have the tag potions techno babble" because uh, I
1: dig it. Do it. <laughs> I wish I could do it more, but I just feel stupid. And I'm like, but I'm like, it's magic. Just make something up, Danny. Yeah, you can always <laughs> just make it up. And the fandom wiki has a ton
3: of interesting stuff for the canonical uses of potions and ingredients and even some of the history of it. There's an article in the fandom wiki about the history of love potions as a genre of potions and so doing that and also drawing from real world stuff in one of the fix I've got that I did recently there was a lot of stuff about memory magic so I was actually looking at <laughs> peer-reviewed research on natural herbs and what their relationship is with memory like stuff like ginkgo and and things that we know as herbal remedies and building off those and like, so make a, a magical ginkgo that actually makes it, you know, more potent or whatever. So, so anyway, trying to, trying to branch out like that is something I feel like Severus would do. And so I'm, I'm not quite that. as brilliant as him, but I like, mm-hmm. the, I like the idea that I can look up something and then add a magical component to it right. and it'll fit.
1: Yeah, and I kind of mm-hmm. like you know his scholarly side and being able to bring that out and having that techno battle and
4: yes there, so. <laughs> I'm but, super uh,
1: attracted to his big brain that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of like the potions and things it made me think of my fix the best kept secrets where the whole thing starts there's like a male pregnancy in it which was like a potions mishap mm-hmm. but there's a specifically where harry and snape hook up and it's very like they're angry it's quick and just they're mad or like he's the Snape's mad at harry and then by the time they like make up and are feeling better Severus like summons like a um stamina type potion and feeds it to like he drinks it and then feeds it to Harry he's like we're going again <laughs> <laughs> yes. dad in the kitchen wasn't good enough now that we're good we got to keep going all night yeah. <laughs> so, he was like a potions master so like that was what he was doing for a living so it was all stuff he brewed he's mm-hmm. just summoning stuff around the house like nice. come on let's
4: go <laughs> oh man
1: I just love that part and I think that I think that might have been like the first and only time I was like using a potion to like keep things going and it was the whole point of like, we're older, we're physically not going to get it up again anytime soon, but I have a potion for that because I am not through with you, (laughs) which I love to see. Another
3: skill of his, besides potions, that I think would be superb in the bedroom, but also very dangerous,
2: <laughs> is legilimency. Oh, yes. <laughs> legilimency sex, <Mwah>. yes. <laughs> yes. Even if it's just like, like, I love it with the um, teacher-student trope, like, if they're in the classroom, and then he pushes, like, you know, like, scenes into the mind of said you know student to like test their resolve sort of thing and I so I love that too like as far as like that tease aspect in public is is absolutely great.
1: (laughs) Speaking of that my friend Pina Naponi wrote for Snariathon a trick of the mind and like the whole prompt for that was like them using legitimacy in public to like tease each other. Nice. So it's this whole long thing of them like before they're even actually like Physically, trying to get together yeah. it's just like he finds out that Harry's been att- attracted to him and then they just start using it against each other to like get each other all hot and bothered mm-hmm.
2: while they're mm-hmm. eating <laughs> I love it the the UST uh, yeah so good I yeah I didn't read that really, one really really good and big it. on the UST for sure
1: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm always oh, I- so the first time that I wrote a scene with legitimacy in sex I got I got a comment on that chapter that said that that was frightening that thinking um like what what are you going to hear in that mind and is it going to be soul crushing when you realize that your partner is a little uncomfortable about a thing or they're thinking about something else entirely it reminds me of that, there's a classic Star Trek episode where Data gets into a relationship, and he's an android, so he, like, in theory has no feelings, and he also thinks that a mile a minute. So when the love interest kisses him and then steps back and asks, what were you thinking? He talks about how, like, he was talking, thinking about his cat and his, the cat's diet, and what he yeah. has to do on deck next time, and all these other things, and it's this crushing moment. Right, so so that's what I meant when I said legitimacy might be a little bit dangerous to employ in the bedroom, because we already know that Sev may have some insecurities, right? some emotional issues, trust issues. And when he takes a peek in somebody's head while he's doing them, that could be a potentially dangerous moment. Mm-hmm. But it could also be a very validating moment, especially if they're having a good time and Partner is thinking about him and how much they're enjoying it and i kind of would go like he he would be a little careful about pre-legitimizing somebody to know their desires before they get down mm-hmm. uh, and that happens in in uh, more than one of my fics <laughs> <laughs> they they actually use it as some fantasy pornography or or just I think it's in, oh yeah, it's in in the fic Drowning um, in Secrets and Lies when I have him with Poppy. There's a rare pair for you. Um, <laughs> and so the first chapter is all her discovery of what makes Snape so compelling. And then she starts fantasizing about him all the time. And uh-huh. when, he, when he, they talk at the high table and she's thinking about how <laughs> she's going to go down to the to her room and rub one out after they talk <laughs> he like chokes on his tea and is like okay come with me because we're gonna we're gonna go do this uh-huh. uh, so yeah let uh-huh. see <laughs> he's gonna know you better than you know yourself and mm-hmm. that is hot he could
0: use it to spy mm-hmm. as well huh i'll get close to you so i can get into your mind mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah that can connect to like the transactional sex like using it to get some you know because then they lower their inhibitions he can probably slip undetected into someone's mind and pull information so yeah manipulative you know severus also is very enticing and i love that like it's yep so good that kind of leads like nicely into
3: this idea that he has skills for spying that would be just as good in the bedroom Mm -hmm. yes he can use legitimacy he can just generally read the room like I imagine most people are not that hard to read to him by that point. Like by the point we see him in the series that he's, he doesn't even need to read their minds. He he can just tell based on body language and what their actions are saying versus what their words are saying. And, and so the, this notion that he can read the room, that's a really useful bedroom skill. <laughs> that fits right in. Are there any other traits that make him a good spy that would also make him a better lover? This was a question I thought about that I didn't really have a good answer. Maybe also the subtlety, because he he employs subtlety in just about every aspect. He describes potions as a subtle art uh, and and being able to look at nuance like that, especially in the bedroom and with our bodies, our bodies are so weird. One action in a certain context could be super hot and another context be totally wrong. And and it seems like he'd be the kind of person who would understand that context And all those details, his attention to detail, which we see in like the potions text being so fully annotated really lends itself to
2: that. I think probably one aspect is the fact that he, I mean, it goes into like him knowing how to handle people, like how to behave, how to act, what to say. So it could also connect a little bit to like role-playing, you know, like he'd be able to create whatever type of perfect person that the other person might be into in that moment because it's part of him he could be just a really great actor so like going into some more like alternative roles and things that he hadn't done versus becoming someone for a spy situation like he becomes someone in a more you know sexy way so
4: yeah I I do like some fun role-playing
2: I have a number of moments in some of my
3: fix where they flip that student-teacher dynamic. Yes. That mm-hmm. role play. Oh. Man, I love inverting tropes. <laughs>
4: I mean, I love, <laughs> a, I
3: love a good actual student-teacher as much as the next person, but um, yes. trying to invert that power dynamic. Yeah, definitely more than one time my partners for
2: Snape will say, oh, we should put you in my school tie.
4: <laughs> yes
2: yes obviously I'm really into it because I'm running fuck the faculty fest so yes. obviously I hope for all the oh. scary mine, <laughs> you name it so it's probably still going on depending on when this you know gets posted because it's open posting through November 1st so yeah so we'll have to yeah
3: I'm not going to declare my commitment entirely right now but I've also been thinking about going the other way with the generational age gap and doing like another snoppy or a snilch, or something that direction.
4: Mm, yep, mm-hmm.
3: I, I like all the age gaps. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And, Like, the only triad fic I ever did was Poppy and Sev and Hermione, so that's, like, mm-hmm. age gaps for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and seeing seeing those power dynamics is interesting, too. Like, there is a lot of fic with Snape with one of his students, right. and not nearly as much of him
2: being the student. Mm-hmm. I do love the idea of Snape with Slughorn, just because it's like him wanting to learn from him. And it's also another like maybe transactional or manipulative thing of like knowing that Slughorn's this dirty old man that's (laughs) like willing to, you know, and then he's like, oh, I'll take you under my wing and all this stuff. And it's all so that he can learn from him and become better than him sort of thing. So and that, I kind of like Snilch for some mm, reasons because yes. I
1: was a dirty old man. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Snape was so, like, unpopular in school. And then the teachers all had, like, their biases favoring, like, the marauders. So, like, he was just really unappreciated. So I like the idea of, like, Filch being, like, on the sidelines. Like, actually being, like, this kid's really smart. But I also relate to him because people, like, look down on me and sort of, like, relating in that sense but there's still obviously like he's older and he right is hogwarts staff so you kind of have this whole like someone can't appreciate snape in that way and then snape is just like no one ever pays attention to me and oh someone does desire me mm-hmm. and i'm a teenager of course i want to have sex so mm-hmm.
2: that's just really fun for me <laughs> 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 See, Snape absolutely could be having sex at school. Like, that's just <laughs> yeah. yeah, he absolutely could have been. Open oh, there's Slughorn. <laughs> slug there's so many people listening to this probably like <laughs> and cringing and screaming right now, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> so like, imagine though, imagine this. I'm just having ideas. Nice. So he first picks up with Filch because it's like, oh, this person's paying attention to me. Yeah. And then he puts his heights, his sets his sights on Slughorn because he has things he wants to accomplish right so he's like slughorn is all about like a good time mm-hmm. I want information and status so I'm gonna go after him and then just works his way up the ladder as a Death eater and then he becomes a professor and then that's when he and Harry gets exactly obviously because <laughs> he's like
2: oh obviously that student teacher dynamic was awesome so I might as well
3: I could also picture Slughorn's side of it being like using Sev as a buffer between himself and the Malfoys because Slughorn oh. doesn't particularly approve of the Death Eaters. Right. But yeah. he wants to have that professional and social network
2: so he could use somebody as a buffer there. hmm Yeah. That's yeah. smart. Well, Slughorn always has a reason why he makes a connection with anyone. So he's just as much invested in, you know, like, I mean, he probably saw Severus for whatever reasons as someone that actually like you could be, you know, going somewhere because even with like Tom Riddle, he's like, oh my gosh, you're so brilliant. You could, you could, you must be a pureblood. But then he's like, actually, I'm a half blood, sir. And it's just like, oh, like, so him finding that in another half blood could be, not surprising so (laughs) (laughs) slughorn and yeah i guess minerva
0: is also a uh, fairly common Mm -hmm. ship i think
2: yeah I, i mean at the very least as really good friends like i love them as like Best friends just because of their rivalry with Quidditch and all those things, of just she doesn't take any of his shit and he just lets her and pretends to ignore it and not be bothered by it. And I just love the idea of them having tea at the end of the day and just complaining about everything that went on during the day and students and things. And I just think it's so cute. But them as a couple, I could absolutely see too. I've never read it, but I do, I do love that idea too. I think I, Read one really good mentors to lovers
3: that Ooh. I was like, oh, they could be lovers because previously they were like my bro TP. Yeah, but they are just the you know head bitches at the table gossiping right. about everything. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. And then yeah, I I will see if I can find that. I don't know if I can. I don't I don't save all the pics I read. I'm a bad <laughs> bad reader. <laughs> so we're almost at the end of this outline we just have the big old smut category (laughs) my
1: favorite
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let me let me start by saying I will read literally anything like Mm -hmm. you cannot squick me I well you can but I like to be squicked like that's my kink so (laughs) (laughs) try and shock
2: me just try it
3: um so yeah like there's so much good smut it's so good and like every kink you could ask for and if it doesn't exist it will soon and yes Especially if you tell me about it because right, I, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will be like "Ooh, how could i get that in there um
0: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i love everything from him having that like loving first time that you never thought he would get to the most traumatic non-con situation that could possibly happen <laughs> i just i yeah he's he's definitely a comfort character him and draco can be done with however anyone wants like <laughs> please just do things to, to them that's all i ask <laughs> and thank you
4: mm-hmm.
2: please and thank you yes
0: yeah you know i started kind of searching for PWP on AO3,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and
3: what I found was it's pretty much what you like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one thing that happens on AO3, because of how tags work, you can basically do two kinds of searches. You can do an inclusive or an exclusive, or both, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. can filter in and out at the same time. But um, And what I've learned about SMUT is that you want to have some idea what you're looking for so that you can search those tags. Because if you try to do exclusive searches on Smut, you're still going to get crazy A amounts of mm-hmm. all the things you didn't <laughs> want. So when you, yeah, the plot what plot tag is not very helpful, except in the sense that you're, it's going to help you filter down the longer fix that are still plot what plot because obviously you can still write 100,000 words and have no
4: part. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: oh,
1: absolutely.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it it kind of depends more on like what what do you want? Um, do you want? Um, and especially when it comes to if you're trying to get a more broad filter, starting with those power dynamics we talked about is a good one. Like if you want Dom Snape or if you want something more like a gentle femdom, or if you, yeah, so there's different domination dynamics, but those are a good place to start for more broad strokes in your searches, and then, of course, if you do have a preferred kink, just drop it in there and see what, see what comes up, because it's probably something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: See, When I'm looking for smut, I'm usually looking for, like, a specific kink or dynamic. It's never just show me porn it's like show me this yes specific. oh yeah like
2: this is what yeah. that this is the flavor i am in search of this time. yeah i need a dark rebel <laughs> oh man and like i still probably forever will never forget and want to your danny's fic obscene the like omega verse one is just that's all i can say is straight up it is obscene, it is so <laughs> so graphic and so sloppy, and it's absolutely wonderful <laughs> for people who love a megaverse and just want Harry completely just ravishing super sev in heat and just making a mess like semi public is just absolutely wonderful <laughs> that was fun.
1: I loved writing that one. It gave me so much trouble, but the finished piece, I was like, yes, this is everything I've ever wanted.
2: It's so oh my gosh, so good! I yep, I love I love that. Mm-hmm. Another way for him to be like forced into a relationship is obviously like alpha and omega, you know, situation <laughs> stuff. So I love <laughs> I love that too. I, I love Omegaverse, which obviously has like questionable consent issues and all that stuff, which is one of the reasons why I like it so much. <laughs> so, Give me
3: that.
2: So
4: surprised car. by how
2: many people
0: <laughs> like that one. <laughs> well. Yeah, there's okay. So there's PWP, which is mostly one shots. I I think
4: yeah,
3: mostly. Mm-hmm.
0: But then there's also long fix where it's takes you know the sex takes place in the context of a narrative.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. For me, for me, I I kind of like that. little, Well, I like them both, but.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I love it when, you know, you've really gotten invested in the characters and then they're ooh, having, you know,
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely like when it's like, it might be slow in the beginning, but then it trickles in and it's like, it happens more than once versus a lot of long fic will be like, here is the moment in the last chapter where we finally give you smut. And I'm just like, oh my God, I've been waiting (laughs) so long. Like I just, even if it's something in the beginning, that's like, oh, it was an oopsie like hookup. And then, you know, time goes by or like, I'm like, give me a little bit of something like (laughs) over the course of
3: this. But I love
2: the plot too so but well, it's a um, classic
3: romance formula to yeah have that slow burn and then your like culmination at the end a climax yeah. in multiple ways yes yes. and in terms of plot what plot I think I have a good rec for this and it's also a rec for virgin Snape killing time by Larry Opie Larry Opie is famous in in Snape Hermione um for second life that's consistently like a top favorite on people's favorites list but I prefer killing time it's a post-war. It's entirely pov sub. There's this great scene in chapter six where they just make out. And that's that's the extent of it. And it's very slowly building up until that point when they do the deed. I mean, I'm good with that. Direction. I just need some sort of... <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not like a plot-heavy story. It's very slice of life, even post-war. Yeah. But it's across like 11 chapters before you get to the... The climax if you will uh-huh. and so that's that's a pretty good rec for if you like that sort of like it's I, it feels a little plot with plot to me because there's not a lot of plot but it is very much a like self-discovery kind of thing where he's learning to live with himself and everyone else after the war similarly uh one of my favorites is the sensual world by teddy radiator And it's another post-war. It's got that spoils of war trope going on in the sense that all the Death Eaters have to be accounted for and like in custody. And so Hermione gets custody of Snape and he's a brat about it. And they develop this um, (laughs) sub-dynamic and it's, it's in first person Hermione, which I, I think it's one of the best examples of first person POV that I can come up with because It is that journey of self-discovery as she learns to dominate him. But because that's, you know, that thin plot of he's in her custody, that it feels very plot what plot along the way until you realize that there is something very profound going on internally to these characters. That's also, you know, on my list of Rex for when you want some gentle femdom. That's another trope for me. I'll I'll click it every time. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll have another episode called Fifty Shades of Snape, where we can explore BDSM.
1: I already had to move half of my wrecks over, because I was like, oh, that's for another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have an awful lot of, like, power dynamic type things in here.
0: <laughs> the, the, I think there's a lot out there, is that I don't know if it's been since Fifty Shades of Grey came out that kink is kind of more pervasive or at least people are thinking about it reading about
3: it writing about it well in in the romance genre there's always been a lot of power dynamics and dubcon um because it makes for drama like a healthy relationship on equal footing is kind of boring. <laughs> that's, that's not why people buy romance yeah. novels. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we need that level of drama. So I think it's pretty natural that you look at your rec list and you go, "Oh, there's power dynamics in all of it." Yeah, because that makes it more interesting. It it gives a it gives a conflict in the relationship itself, regardless of any external factors, and and so that that makes it super popular. Mm-hmm. But if we want to go to external factors, I think we have a list of tropes here. Yeah. <laughs> like One of my favorites, fuck or die. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it's very literal. Like there are there are, it's magic. So there's curses, there's potions, there's things where if you don't have sex right now, you are going to die um, from a mad like magic made me do it. That's a corollary trope of fuck or die. And so so that's a really great another plot what plot device. Marriage law, we've already talked a little about that. Mm -hmm. But again, another external force and all sorts of possible reactions to when you're being forced into a relationship. Mm -hmm. Those are the external ones on that list. Then it gets a little fuzzy. (laughs) Like um (laughs) discipline is both internal and external in many ways because in an education system, there is rules, there's procedures. So, you know, student breaks the rules, you give them a detention. That's, that's not really internal to your relationship. That is, that is in the school system and school culture. But then what happens during that detention? Yes. Can go any which
2: way. Mm -hmm. Uh Sexy times. (laughs) Spank me, daddy. (laughs) Please. <laughs> I've been mm-hmm. so naughty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, BDSM Club is is another common trope that which we will explore in another show, but uh there's some very good fix with that. Sex God Snape. I wrote
3: that one. That? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um I have I have a love hate with this trope because obviously I want him to have good sex, but I think it, it goes a little bit along the lines of the big dick stuff too. That he he is often given these traits that we may or may not believe, um, depending on the context and the partner. And uh, sex god Snape is just it's one of those tropes that makes for a good plot, what plot and good smut. But it can be a little distracting from the story sometimes. Um, so so balancing that is hard.
1: Yeah I feel like I want there to be like a reason to it for me to enjoy it if it's like because he's had so much sex as a death eater or because he was practicing with sex workers Mm -hmm. like like give it to me that way where he has a lot of experience for xyz reasons that yeah. make sense to his character. Mm-hmm. at that point when he hooks up with someone and they're like oh my god like, <laughs> okay. you know what fair he earned that it makes sense yeah i like it
2: <laughs> you earned your badge here's your crown <laughs> it's when he's like super suave that i, I start
1: to question it <laughs>
3: If you really want a shortcut, go the legitimacy route. Like there is basis in canon for him to take shortcuts and to improve things, um, and to have some creativity about improving things. So yeah.
1: Just make it make sense and I'll like it.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: And then there's there is dead dove, do not eat.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know oh. Danny and I are like doing our dance. Like... <laughs> Yes, please, bring it to me. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: want that dove?
3: I will, (laughs) yeah,
4: exactly. For
3: the uninitiated, (laughs) because there might be uninitiated listeners in Mm -hmm. Dead Dove, Mm -hmm. Um, the Dead Dove comes from another fandom where there's a scene where there's literally a bag in the fridge with the label Dead Dove, do not eat, and when the character opens the bag, he looks in, sees the dead dove and goes I don't know what I expected Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) so dead dove initially meant that it is what it says on the tin like read the tags I mean it and there is squicky content ahead potentially if those tags apply to you and it has evolved a little bit into you should just expect some of those darker topics whether it's tagged or not and I have a really hot take on dead dove. Here it comes. I think, a, <laughs> I think it's a fad that can't die soon enough because in theory, it's redundant because we have a tagging system. And if we hold hands for people who don't read the tags, then we're just encouraging a problem. And in practice, I have discovered when I did put the dead dove tag on my fix that it only attracted hate comments. Oh wow. People search out the dead dove tag specifically to troll it. Mm -hmm. So here's a little advice. If any listeners are struggling with this, who are initiated in dead dove and are wondering why are my fix always getting so much hate? Try taking that tag off. It's redundant and it might be attracting those haters.
1: Mm -hmm. See, I actually recently added that tag to something that I didn't think needed it because I tagged it so thoroughly. Yeah. It was all It was kink, but it was all like consensual stuff. There was like C&C, which is consensual non-consent. But I was like, I tagged everything. Why is everyone in my comments so up in arms? Everything was tagged. I think what it is is that that fix specifically is just written in a very intense way that it like upsets people. And I can't tell you the number of times I have added warnings like, I'm serious. I mean it. This is intense read with caution. And the last time I got a bad comment, I deleted it. And then I just added dead dove. I was like, I don't even think this is
2: a dead dove fic,
1: but apparently it needed the tag.
2: Yeah. For <laughs> me, it's less a, a tag and more just like a, like a theme of fic. Like I just like, I like the overarching, like things that fall under dead dove. There's a lot of it that I enjoy. So I'm not, usually, I'm not, it's kind of like the plot, what plot tag. Like you're just, you're going and there doesn't give you very much. And I'm looking for a specific thing that might fall under that, you know, that realm. Um, so I just, I like that I, I can put a name to something like that, but it's like, hey, this is a an overarching theme for darker squicky themes that, you know, some people read, write, whatever. And But yeah, as far as a tag, like, I completely understand with what, you know, I just, that's, it's an easy way to troll people for sure. And if anyone is out there that writes this sort of thing, my number one recommendation is to not engage. Like, delete comments, do not engage, you're only giving them the time of day and they want a response from you. Like, it's just... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they went through and they read everything, regardless of warnings, like that's on them for that, that it upset them. I was like, no one made you read this like, so, and I don't care that you don't like it. So yeah, it's just, it can be really hard to not want to defend yourself, but really it's like, you don't need to defend yourself to someone that is never going to respect you or is worth your time. So that's a big, a big thing when it comes to that sort of stuff. And I'm willing to accept that as a caveat
3: to my hot take, I know other people actually use the dead dove tag to search for fics they do want to read. And that seems to be a little bit fandom dependent too. So that, that has been an interesting one that depending on your fandom, depending on your ships, you may have wildly different results of using the dead dove tag. So your mileage may vary. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> to me, it's like
0: it's going to be a little bit disturbing or a lot and I might hate myself for reading it but I'll read it anyway
2: Yep. <laughs> at the end like wow wow I did <laughs> that thing and I liked it now I want more of it like <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with
0: me
1: am I thanks to anyone who doesn't like dead dub that's fine you don't have to like but you also don't have to yeah. be mean to people there's something wrong exactly it's It's fiction it's fine just don't read it and if you read it that's your own fault Mm -hmm. don't comment (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. i uh i had an interesting discussion once with somebody who was training to be a therapist and they talked about different coping mechanisms for triggers and their opinion was pretty solidly on the fanfic is one of the safest ways to engage in potentially triggering content, because you can always just stop. Like there, there is nothing about that situation that is holding you to it, that, that this is, this can be a healthy way to try to approach things. And that avoidance is long-term, possibly degrading to your mental health, that you are not dealing with your trauma. And so it's, it's a little sad to me, actually, when people get very up in arms about this content is triggering. I'm like, but this is one of the safest ways to approach it. So, I mean, it's okay if you don't and you can't, that's fine, just click away. That's, that's the healthy thing to do is just, there's an X button right there,
1: click it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because it's not good for you doesn't mean it's not a valid thing for someone else to deal with their own problems or just enjoying it because they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like it has nothing to do with you. It's not a personal attack. Right you can leave the situation at will no one's forcing it down your throat but everyone has their own stuff and it's okay to enjoy what you enjoy and it's okay that other people don't enjoy what you enjoy
3: And some people use fic to process trauma. And I think in particular, a Snape fans have a really great avenue to do that because he has experienced so much trauma in his life. Yes. And he is also something of a blank slate. Like I mentioned before, he is this deep cover spy. So we can attribute just about anything to him. So if we're using him as some kind of intermediary between us and our trauma, there, there's a lot of ways we can make that work for us. So... We have all this potential to explore really dark topics and get all of it out. And in particular, Dead Dove topics are kind of controversial in the fandom, but everybody has slightly different reasons for wanting to read it, and they're all valid, and also the not wanting to read it is valid.
4: Mm -hmm, Yeah. Right.
3: But in terms of Dead Dove that we have read, I mean, this is (laughs) is a common trope, right? So... (laughs) <laughs> um i think the obvious one is all of the power dynamics stuff because he is in a position of power over students because the dark lord and and dumbledore are in a position of power over him because of his specific skills that like legitimacy that can go very dark very quickly what else for dead of troops
2: i mean i love everything to do with severus and the death eaters Kind of like we talked about before, be that initiation or having to, you know, participate in unsavory acts to prove his loyalty. So I feel like that's a big part of it is there's, you know, that's that blank slate aspect of he you know, we like going off of what is it like when they're talking about saving Draco's soul and like, you know, Snape's like, so you don't care about my soul, right? And Dumbledore's like, oh, you know, like don't, I'm not so naive as to think that your, you know, soul is untainted or whatever. And so it's just, there's so many things that he could have done or have had done to him for the sake of being a spy, having to remain or feeling like he didn't have, a way out or something like that so things that you know dark magic you know dub con non-con stuff like that like it just I yeah I I I love that I just do <laughs> plus one to everything
3: <laughs> there's also a lot of potential body horror mm, because uh, of the influence of the dark mark on his very person yep yeah um, and there's also, you know, a ton of possible kinks out there that even if we don't have any basis in canon for them, they're fun to explore with a character who is dark and mm-hmm. and can potentially handle. There's relative traumas involved, right? Um, one that I might not even consider dead dove on the surface that I found myself reading more and more fix about is feederism and and other stuff with food kinks. Mm-hmm. And, That can get 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 into that body horror. Yeah, uh, yeah, because of how that
1: changes your body. So that's that's some interesting stuff that I've been delving into lately. And if you think about how that can come into play with magic, Mm -hmm. different potions, spells, and it being used as like
3: punishment, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yep. And the borderline with like eating disorders, and then again we're back into like trauma and mental health aspects
2: and definitely some dark relatable content to me that even i've i've written in the past is severus utilizing so content warning self harm you know depression using the reason part of the reason why sectum semper was developed was for self harm so part of him going through school and depression was some of those like we talked about scars earlier like some of those scars were self-inflicted scars through, you know, the, you know, depression, trauma, and things like that. So I just, when a character can actually go through, I mean, it's like we talked about processing traumas, like, that's a thing a lot of us went through in high school and, and early, you know, like middle school and stuff like that. And it's like, it's a real thing. And to have a character experience and go through and understand that is very, I mean, it's dark, it's disturbing, but also comforting in that of like, you know, that sort of thing. So that's one thing that I don't know that I've seen outside of me having written it. But yeah, I made a, what was it for the first Fest? So it was a Severus slash, slash Regulus fic. And where Regulus, it's mainly the point of view. And he discovers that Severus has been hurting himself and the reasons behind behind it and sorry, I'm getting, I'm even getting choked up talking about it. But, um, but yeah, so it's just, that's another, you know, that's kind of a, a self reflection of some of the things that I write and why, you know, like that, that falls into that. Didn't mean to <laughs> tamper everything <laughs> down. Just over here
3: making notes for my own
2: fix, sorry. No, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that was part of it was like, it was a slowly developing, like he just, he knew how to use it depending on the intent like any any magic like the intent of harry when he used it he was going to get the cruciatus curse like on him he was immediately in defense mode versus just casting a charm to cause a little bit of pain or whatever so there's different levels that could be used with sectumsempra aside from i mean obviously you figured out like yeah use this on your enemies like when you mean it like <laughs> it'll really hurt somebody <laughs> but yeah no.
0: There's an artist I can't think of, but oh, I wish I could think of their name. They portrayed him learning how to do it, mm. and basically cutting it open his arm,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then not being able to stop the bleeding ah.
2: until mm-hmm. he figured out, like a counter charm or a vulnera. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, you got some thick us right, pal?
3: Oh gosh, I'm first. Okay. Re- read something first. <laughs> well, um, oh, I'll do my reading re- and then. Oh, is we'll it? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Got it. Got it. All right. Let me pull up the fic. Where to go? Um, de- 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 get my windows ranged. Should have done this earlier. <laughs> okay. That's no, okay. Yeah. So, mapping the dungeons is a snack fic, serious black and Severus snape. Mm -hmm. um explicit pov is serious black during the marauders era they're like seventh years at hogwarts tags include smut dubcon anal sex sex for secrets sex potion legitimacy sneaking around the marauders map map. who is using whom uh a dominant Mm -hmm. snape possibly canon compliant i threw the canon compliant tag on there i'm gonna go for it I think it sits canon adjacent (laughs) as a one-shot, and it was inspired by art, so there's art to go with this, which I'll describe at the end. The summary for mapping the dungeons is, during his seventh year, Sirius has an encounter in the dungeons that inspires him to hatch a plan for a more complete Marauder's Map. With a good excuse to avoid examining his own motivations, he doesn't even think to ask himself what Snape is really getting out of it.
4: Uh Being
3: a Marauder had a lot of perks. Fierce loyal friends was just the tip of the iceberg. Wormtail the acolyte, Prongs the old blood brother, Mooney was the peacekeeper, Padfoot was the sleaze. (laughs) Everyone knew it. He knew it himself. In a few years, no one would have any doubts that Sirius Black sold out the potters to Voldemort. At the moment, though, he was on a mission to gain information for the greatest marauder secret of all, the map. The price of this information was his body. Sex. Great sex. Surprisingly glorious, delicious sex. With Of all people, Snape. (laughs) It started a few months ago when Snape cornered him in a part of the castle the Marauders somehow missed. It was in the dungeons, of course, the Slytherin's domain. He should have known better, but he'd been chasing tail. There was this tasty fourth-year brunette who kept eyeing him at the Quidditch pitch. If only he'd known that Snape had some dirt on this girl and used her to get back at him. The Whomping Willow incident had been more than a year ago, and Snape had bided his time waiting for the right moment. Thus, the first time was pure humiliation, and Sirius found himself in one of the abandoned dungeon classrooms, disarmed, bent over, and tied to a desk. If Snape had simply buggered him, that would have been one thing, but this boy was becoming a master of cruelty. He made Sirius want to be buggered. Beg for it. Mm -hmm. Sirius could have escaped by transforming, but he didn't want to reveal that skill if he didn't have to, and from the very first touch, he felt like a puppy in need of attention with only his hands snape teased Sirius until he cried and used these tears in some lubricant potion that made him see stars as the head of snape's cock slid across his prostate over and over and over <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs>
2: and over Ooh, i got chills
3: <laughs> afterward sirius lay in his dorm unable to sleep for his sore bottom and racing thoughts it occurred to him that he would need all his wit and charm to outslither in snape so he schemed He wanted the more complete Marauders map before they finished this final year in school. The dungeons were all that remained. He didn't tell Snape, of course, but he did loiter where he knew Snape would be, and so far had four new and interesting secret hidey holes to add to the map. Tonight, he was going again. Fuck, this was a bad idea. First reason, it was a secret. Hadn't told a soul. Lied, in fact, to the other Marauders about how he found these new places to add to the map. Second reason, it was Snape. They were still at each other's throats during the day. More, in fact, and more vicious than ever. Third reason, it was distracting. He wasn't quite as brilliant, and the NEWTs were coming. Revision, in fact, should have been his priority. But gods above and below, that boy could make his body sing with barely a touch, and the greasy crybaby could brew a fucking potion. The more he thought about it, the more he realized Snape hadn't been weeping in public ever since his near-death experience— So Sirius ceased calling him Snivellus. After shedding a few tears himself, it just didn't seem very sporting. Of course, the way Snape tied him up wasn't exactly sporting either. Tonight, Sirius went deeper into the dungeons than he ever had before. He had to duck behind a suit of armor to avoid the Bloody Baron, and this put him on edge. He wanted to be found, but it was a very specific predator he was baiting. The Marauders learned long ago that Slughorn didn't seem to care what happened in his dungeons, so Sirius knew which nights he was on duty and made a point of being there, hoping for another run-in with Snape. He was just about to give up when he found himself disarmed and shoved through a hidden door, for the fifth time. Yes! Candles flared to life, a soft golden glow illuminated the dingy room, several pieces of low furniture draped with dust covers, the fireplace blocked with an iron gate, and one picture window filmed with grime. The two doors on the far wall hinted at more, and Sirius figured they were in unused living quarters. A wand point dug into his back. Through there, Snape hissed, and Sirius made his feet move, one step at a time, wishing for more contact than the business end of a wand. The wait was worth it, though. The bedroom was everything the sitting room was not. Every nook and cranny was clean and dust-free. The enormous bed was covered with fresh linens. The window was spelled for diffused sunlight, even now late at night. There was a hint of pink in that light like a soft sunset after a rainy day cleared out, and when Sirius turned around, he was struck by the way this made Snape's skin look alive and healthy, rather than deathly pale. It made him look warm, despite the perpetual cold glare. Sirius could feel his jaw going slack, and he snapped it up. He wasn't supposed to find Snape attractive, just useful. Snape was already removing his own robes, and it took only a slight sneer for Sirius to get to work doing the same. He stripped himself, as he always did after that first time. He suspected even waving a wand to vanish the clothes would be far too personal for Snape, too much of a service in this twisted little power game. In fact, Snape normally kept on his clothes, at least until Sirius was bent over and unable to look. Then Sirius wouldn't see Snape at all until he was finished, fully composed, and came back around to look him in the eyes, as if to gloat before releasing him and quietly slipping away. Now, he could see that Snape's underpants had an upgrade since the last time he had a chance to notice black silk like his own. He narrowed his eyes, wondering at the custom tailoring of Snape's shirt as each button was undone. Sirius flicked his eyes to the growing pile of clothes on the floor and then back to Snape, who was tossing aside the last garment and raising one eyebrow at Sirius's delay. He hastily finished and then met Snape's eyes again, wondering who would have paid for the improved wardrobe. The subtle elegance of it smacked of pureblood old money rather than the poor son of a muggle Sirius knew him to be. That raised eyebrow changed direction, narrowing as his lips turned down to a deep frown, and Snape spat. I have a new patron, and he wishes me to finish testing this potion. Sirius was a bit rattled. Had Snape known exactly what he was thinking? Snape produced a vial, the same glass and stopper and crystal clear lubricant they used four times already. Sirius trembled. He suspected he'd be reduced to tears again, but he hadn't known he was being used at least as coldly as he tried to tell himself he was using Snape. Already blinking away a fresh batch of those salty drops, Sirius turned and leaned over the bed, stretching his arms ready for the ropes. He heard Snape hiss, bloody idiot, and then come up behind him and press against his backside. Sirius felt one hand creep around his waist, run his fingers through his pubic hair, and then firmly grip his swelling cock. He gasped and made fists in the sheet's back, arching to push his bum against Snape's growing hardness. Snape slowly stroked him to a full erection as he spoke. The first trials are a success, but you should know any potion with a person's secretions can vary wildly. The other trials were yours. This one is mine. It took Sirius a minute to understand what Snape had said, and in the space of that minute, Snape twisted him around and shoved him on the bed. Sirius sprawled on his back, hands at his sides, and knees bent high, shivering as he looked up at the ceiling. Snape was using him to invent a new potion, a potion that required inducing tears to make it, and a good deep dicking to test it. That made enough sense in the way that sometimes you have to accept how magic is not always unicorn tails and levitating feathers. Snape using his own tears for another trial might have even made sense, just like he said, for a more thorough testing. But this feeling of admiration welling up inside Sirius did not make any sense. He was somehow proud of the greasy git. Snape crawled up onto the bed as well, and Sirius swallowed hard, unable to tear his eyes away now that he was finally getting a proper look at that cock bewitched at the visible swelling and darkening. Without a word, Snape uncorked the vial and poured it into his left palm. Entranced, Sirius could only watch as Snape gazed at his own hand, studying his reaction with steady, dark eyes. The only betrayal of his feelings was a slight parting of his lips as his hardening penis lifted higher and higher. (laughs) Sirius was painfully hard now himself. Finally, Snape shifted his eyes to Sirius, narrowing them slightly. Caught staring, Sirius felt the heat in his cheeks, but he couldn't look away. After a few seconds of eye contact, Snape rolled his annoyance and threw a leg over Sirius, straddling his stomach. He reached back and grasped Sirius with the lubricated hand, and Sirius gasped, balls tightening and blood rushing into his ears. Do contain yourself, Snape drawled. Not a chance, Sirius replied, reaching up to bury one hand in Snape's hair, thumb trailing along his jaw. Snape glared but did not let go, and Sirius ran his hand down Snape's neck into his shoulder, gripping hard. With his other hand, Sirius crept along the sheets till he hit Snape's knee and slid up his thigh. With his free hand, Snape swatted him, and Sirius retreated, resting his curious fingers at the back of Snape's knee. Face impassive, Snape seemed to incline to allow this for how he had to brace one hand on Sirius's toned chest for what came next. Snape tilted his hips and pressed the tip of Sirius's erection against his tight bum sliding that slick organ around his hole this also pressed his balls to Sirius's stomach ah he gasped overwhelmed by all the skin he'd never before had a chance to touch he almost missed Snape's slight ah that mirrored his own as Snape sank down watching Snape's face was a lesson in frustration Sirius wanted to hit him to break through that stony facade but he knew if he fought back he'd be tied up again he couldn't risk that now that he got his hands on Snape's lean hard body he wasn't letting go Feeling Snape's insides was a lesson in control. The cold, hard surface of him gave way to a hot, silky grip on Sirius's cock, and he gasped again as Snape took his time, shifting his angle and depth to get it just right. Snape's impossibly dark eyes fluttered closed, and Sirius couldn't hold back any longer, lifting his hips to drive a little deeper. Snape growled with a depth that promised imminent development of a downright sinful voice, and he opened his eyes with a glare. He leaned down and Sirius shivered with anticipation as Snape slipped his hand from Sirius's chest up his shoulder and to brace on the bed and brought the other hand to his neck. Sirius didn't need to be tied up to feel pinned. He was at Snape's mercy, and he wanted to be. He wanted him. Snape's eyes rolled up, breaking contact again, and Sirius couldn't tell if it was an expression of pleasure or annoyance. Sirius felt like fire, itching for more contact, more movement, more, more. He gripped harder on Snape's shoulder, trying to pull him down. His stomach did a flip when he realized he wanted a kiss. But Snape didn't allow it, squeezing Sirius at the throat until he stilled completely. Sirius tilted his chin up, an instinct to open the airway, and Snape's grip loosened. Opening his mouth for a deeper breath, Sirius let his jaw hang open as he panted. Snape used his thumb to stroke the vulnerable flesh and then came to rest just under Sirius's chin. Tilting his own chin up in a way, Snape let out one ragged breath. Then he moved his hips, slowly tilting back and forth. And then Sirius groaned at the tight friction. Snape glared again and hissed. Don't you fucking dare come before me. Sirius whimpered. Sure, he would explode if Snape kept talking. He hadn't said much before, simply focusing as he worked over Sirius's body with his hands. Did he know that his voice could melt steel, even as it made Sirius that much harder? Panting, Sirius pulled him a little closer between it each exhaled the breath. Then you better come soon. Picking up the pace, Snape switched to a more rocking motion, and Sirius gasped a bit with each loud thud of Snape's cock coming down against his stomach, at the same time his own cock was engulfed by the furnace of a man. The firm strokes of that arse on his shaft lit up every nerve ending of his body, and his pulse fluttered against the fingers at his neck. Sirius slowly slid his arm further around Snape's shoulders, and his other hand slowly up his thigh. Finally, Snape gave a clue that he might be enjoying himself instead of performing some necessary evil and the tiny shutters of wiry muscles under his hands made Sirius tremble with need. He looked up to Snape's face, but maybe wished he hadn't. Snape's eyes were unfocused, not in lust, but in deep thought. His mouth was parted, baring his teeth in a scowl. His hair fell down in waves, but not close enough to brush against him. Even so, Snape sped up his movements, grimaced some expression of completion, pelvic floor clenching around Sirius and making him shout, "'Oh!' As Snape spurted hot cum over Sirius's stomach and chest, Sirius closed his eyes, bit his lip to keep from shouting again, flexed his hips, and came as well, pushing harder into Snape's tight ass and holding on for dear life. The endorphins crested, started to fall, and Sirius cried out in overstimulated pain as Snape wrenched himself away and landed heavily on the bed next to him. As he bucked his hips one last time, he could hear Snape cast a mumbled charm, presumably to clean up. And then tilted his head to see what Snape would do next. Laying on the bed, panting, he watched Snape roll over the edge onto his feet and begin putting his high-quality new clothes back on. Snape's face was a blank mask again, his appearance fully put together and his bearing totally in control. No one would have been able to tell that he just rode another man to a blinding orgasm. And he slipped his robes over his shoulders and Snape said, Do not come back to the dungeons at night. Sirius sucked in a deep, steadying breath, and then frowned and sat up, reaching for his underpants. Trying to play it cool, he simply asked, Why not? I won't be waiting. Well, what makes you think, don't be a moron, Black? Snape pinched the bridge of his nose, and Sirius had the mad urge to drop a kiss on the tip of that excessive beak. He gave himself a mental shake so he could pay attention when Snape continued, The others leave you alone because they know I wanted my revenge. They know I've had it now, at least twice, so it's no longer my turn. The potion tests are done, and I have no reason to insist otherwise. Gutted, Sirius didn't know what to be most upset about, the insult to his intelligence, the bizarre Slytherin honor code, the threat of unspecified others who wanted a turn to attack him. None of that was as brutal as the knowledge that Snape's interest was protecting him, and that interest was about to dry up as quickly as the cum matting his chest hair. Shuddering and choking back a sob, Sirius whispered, "'Maybe you could,' Snape scowled, "'Shut up, Black. I got what I wanted. "'There's nothing I wish to do for you, even if I could. "'You have to,' Sirius said quickly, "'racking his brain for all the contingencies he'd thought of "'between their first and second meetings, "'and then promptly forgetting in favor of thinking with his dick. "'Pinning Sirius with an icy glare, "'Snape twisted a palm up in a gesture of impatient expectation. "'Sirius gulped, unwilling to look too closely "'at why he felt like crying this time. "'It was too hard to think while naked and desperate.' What kinds of threats did Sirius still have in his back pocket? He lowered his voice and glared as he said, You keep meeting me in secret or I'll go public. Watch your bums. Snivellus finally cried into one of his potions and it made him gay as a parade and Randy as a puff scheme. My gossip network is so good. I could plant four different clues with four different people and then I wouldn't even have to say it myself. The timing, Snape flicked his wand and silenced him with a nonverbal hex. In mute outrage, Sirius moved to stand, but the ropes came next, pulling his wrists out away from his sides and forcing him to kneel on the bed. Staring at his wand as he twirled it in his long fingers, Snape asked, a little too calmly, do you know what legitimacy is? No way, he couldn't do that, could he? Sirius thought back to how he'd wondered about Snape knowing exactly what was on his mind earlier tonight. His jaw dropped again, not in pleasure, but in surprised horror. He wanted to know, but literally could not ask how much practice Snape had with that skill. Mind magic was dangerous, a dangerous violation of another person, even more alarming than the physical attacks. Physically, Sirius understood his body's responses to the games he and Snape were playing. The mental and emotional responses were much more difficult and frightening to consider. Snape continued, If I were you, I'd be very careful about what sorts of secrets you wish to spread as rumor. After so many opportunities to read you during your totally unguarded post-orgasmic bliss... I have found more than enough to make you regret anything other than total silence. Snape more securely gripped his wand and sneered, Do not prove you are an idiot by thinking any rumors about my dedication to inventing new potions would hurt me. Then Snape cast a finite to undo the bindings and returned Sirius's wand to him with a perfect parabolic toss. He quietly slipped away while Sirius fumbled the catch. Sitting alone and staring at the rumpled bed, Sirius already felt full of regret. For several minutes, he didn't even bother with the counter-hex that would allow him to speak again, as he was very sure he could never tell a soul what happened here. With no way to know exactly what Snape had seen of Sears' sleazy antics, he could not even risk putting this room on the Marauder's map. The end. (laughs) Ooh, buddy! (laughs) Very good.
1: (laughs) Nice.
3: (laughs) A couple of acknowledgments. This fic was made possible by uh, people in discussions at the Black Prince server specifically Francis Sinbin drew some art and we had this awesome, like he was doing a live stream of drawing the art while I was writing. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty rad. <laughs> um, and I managed to get a a very well-read snack shipper to help me with this uh, as the beta reader, because this was my first snack fic ever. And, and I had a good time with that and got a lot of help from From other people in the fandom, which is one of the things I love about this fandom.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, awesome.
3: I love Snape being in control. (laughs) Yes, yep. I write Snape pretty much every which way, but this was this was going very hard in the in the control direction. Cold, calculating. It was exactly what he wants and is going to get it. And Sirius just wanting to get ravaged in the dungeons. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was my very first Sirius POV and. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. That was awesome. Thank you for reading. Well, shall we go on to the fic recs? Yes.
0: Okay. We talked about Death Eaters. I do have one rec, The Death Eater Chronicles by Ovidia Lee, and 19-year-old Snape's entry to the Caligula-like coven, told through the interwoven perspectives of Bellatrix, Snape, and a few surprise cameos. This is the origin story of Snape, Bella, Lucius, Narcissa. The lestranges and other death eaters it does not portray snape in a very um good light he's he, he's not very sympathetic in this but it's still very good and then okay a naughty witch's guide to sexual pleasures by oracle obscured basically hermione is the substitute librarian and uh, snape is entertaining lucius and she comes and drops off some books, but hers accidentally falls open and it's, a, oh, it's, the book is A Naughty Witch's Guide.
3: One thing I kind of, one thing I like about that one is that it's that threesome with Severus, Hermione, and yes. Lucius, and that is a, a triad that I am particularly fond of. Yeah, yeah, me the, too. That ambiguous friendship of Sev and Lucius makes for an interesting basis of adding a third.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, definitely. There's also one called Snape Chat
0: by our oh, Observer. I
2: saw that. I thought that was fun. And it's like, oh,
0: yeah. This story actually came first, so I guess it's you know I'm the copycat. Sorry about that. Snape works at a phone sex place, and Hermione calls, and that's that's pretty fun. Okay, Hal.
3: Sure. I think I've already mentioned some of these ones that are coming up here. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I mentioned Killing Time by Larry Opie. And I briefly mentioned an hour of Snape by Desert Sea. I don't know if the premise came across clearly when I mentioned it before, but Hermione paid for an hour alone with a Severus lookalike. At least she thinks she has. <laughs> um, so, and there's also some spin off fix from that because they use Polyjuice for this purpose. And Draco is running a business that he calls the Polyjuice Fantasy Fuck. And so the PFF, um, has, has a couple spin spinoff fix too. You can, when you, when you go to that one, there's like related fix linked in the fix. So that is just a fun little smut fest. Also an hour of Snape has just the humor level is cranked all the way up. So if you're looking for something that's a little less serious and a lot more funny, an hour of Snape is a really great one. The POV meanders a bit between Snape and Hermione, but it feels very fluid. So you get exactly the their thought processes at the right moments to, to be just hilarious. I also wrecked Accidental Apparition. Can't a wizard get some goddamn sleep around here by Amartentia in my veins. This one is really a very vanilla, sweet, plot what plot, one shot. I know some of us here have pretty hardcore tastes um, in general, or that we can go pretty hardcore. Um, but for the listeners who are looking for something that's very much just a fun Vanilla smut with a with a nice plot. What plot? This is a really good one. The summary is: When Severus Snape accidentally apparates in his sleep, he suddenly wakes up in Miss Granger's bed in Gryffindor Tower. So, how will he escape without detection? That is a really good one for just a quick, and it's also very funny and witty. So that that's on my rec list. Then um, I think the next ones in the list are not my recs. Post Cenobus Lux. Actually, I thought she did. <laughs> um i actually i'm a bad fan i haven't read that <laughs> i mean i've read some of it but i got like distracted and never finished that happens a lot with the epics um mm-hmm. the classic epics in snape mm-hmm. Riney is yeah I, I read so many of them in 2001 <laughs> that i uh oh i'm looking to branch out now
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. okay
3: um but it keeps coming up on top lists so I'm not sure how it landed in this list but probably somebody's top list mm-hmm. I, I'm on a, a Snape Hermione server where it's consistently recommended as one of the top picks um, yeah okay
0: and uh, we've mentioned this before um, but Weasley's Wizard Wheezes by Crying Cinderella is complete now and uh, determined to carry on his brother's legacy Jared puts an advertisement in this profit. To find a male and female test subject for a new line of adult novelty products the two that in, that show up might just cause him to quit the business <laughs> it's it's good it's it's pretty much wall-to-wall sex it's oh it's like 50 some chapters long i think Is so it it's, a, it's a nice long it's no money. yeah uh-huh yes snape and hermione testing sex toys
4: Mm -hmm. So,
0: and yeah, there's some really good angst in there too. So uh, yeah, I got to recommend that. And Crying Cinderella also started another one called London Calling, where Hermione breaks her wand and leaves the magical world behind. 10 years later, she is at a bar and the band comes through and there's a guy with dark hair and sunglasses. And... What looks like a death eater tattoo, and
4: uh, mm.
0: and it goes on from there. It's it's already had a really spicy scene, so I I have to recommend that too. Yeah, okay. Let's see. Whispers of Intent by Tiranog is a snary that Masao the dog recommends.
1: A really good one.
0: Yeah. Or Harry Potter has a life changing encounter at a bar. Let's see, who wants to go first, uh, Danny or Megs for some?
1: Yeah, I can go. Some snary ones would be Warm by Perverse Idol. Uh, Severus still suffers the after effects of Nagini's venom, especially in winter. Harry knows just how to warm him up. Oh, I remember that one. That one's nice. Like a Virgin by Sim- Sibylle, which is Sibily 2013 on AO3. Harry has reservations about the fancy dress costume that he and his new lover has chosen for him. So that one's got some like uh, costume type stuff and it's pretty fun. I mentioned a trick of the mind by Pina Naponi earlier. Ever since the horror crux in his head is gone, legilimency comes easy to Harry. It's nearly laughable how easy it is, considering how much he used to struggle with it back in his fifth year. But he reckons half of that had been Snape's fault anyway. Who on earth would enjoy the nasty git invading their mind? But as life as Harry has known it changes, Harry's opinion on the matter changes with it. Rather drastically so, if he's being perfectly honest. Then, made to be broken, by the shop is local. For all, Severus is softer, warmer with Harry than he is otherwise. He's still a prickly bugger and notably maladjusted, with strange, almost inexplicable habits that Harry is only now beginning to truly understand. Then for some non scenary stuff, there's a Snape and Slughorn called Yon Snape by Sparkulfer. Slughorn pursues Snape, an account of the burgeoning relationship between two Slytherins on the background of the events of Harry Potter and the Half-Lit Prince. There's a Snape Filch called Intruder by Delphi. Peter Pettigrew breaks into Filch's rooms to retrieve James's confiscated invisibility cloak and ends up seeing something that he shouldn't. Then a Snoopin, which is The Scent of Honey by Sweet Almond. Lupin follows his nose to trouble. So there's
2: <laughs> a handful of things for you. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. So for mine, I tried to do a couple different ships. So, of course, I had already brought up earlier Obscene by Danny by Dan Puff. Um, never has Severus been so wet outside of heat. It's humiliating. Obscene. It is obscene. (laughs) It is wonderful. It's a one shot, an easy read. You're going to need some water. It's fantastic. (laughs) Um, My next one is it's actually a Severus James. It's 120K, so it is a long, thick. Um, There's technically some James Lily. A teenage Snape plots his revenge on James Potter for making his life hell, but little does he know that James has plans of his own that will send both of their lives spiraling irrevocably out of control. So with this one, the reason why I wrecked it for this is, I mean, it's it's definitely a, they're both hoping to try and, you know, prank each other to serious, like, literally bets James that he can't you know buy whatever winter ball or something that he can get Severus to say that he loves James and they do like an unbreakable vow which is like so extreme So of course his life is on the line to make Severus fall in love with him. And of course he does, but things go bad when Severus learns the truth. So then that's what triggers him deciding to actually go join the Death Eaters because he was thinking not because he was falling for James. And then, so then, so then it like jumps forward into the future when James marries Lily, they have Harry and then, you know, but James the whole time has never forgotten you know Severus, and so then them coming together is them slowly either kind of forgiving one another or whatnot, but it has a combination of obviously them working out their stuff, but then a part of it is once they are finally together, James has to be okay with the fact that Severus is still a spy, and part of being a spy is pretty much being on the beck and call of Lucius Malfoy. So we have the aspect of like seeing a romance bloom, the dark parts of Severus being, you know, a Death Eater and what that means. And then James has to just accept it and be okay with it for the time being before a happily ever after can finally happen. (laughs) So it, it has a lot of those different tropes as far as like Snape and sex to experience hate sex having to do what he needs to do to be a spy as well as, you know, finding that, that, you know, happily ever after at the end. So it's a long one. It can be really hard to get through because it's it's super angsty. It can, it'll break your heart, but it will not mend it. <laughs> so I definitely highly recommend that one. My last one is definitely in the dead Dovey territory, but it is one of the I came across it a long time ago when I first started reading fanfic and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I can't believe I read this, but I love it. Um, So it's Severus uh, after the war, Severus Snape pulls Sirius back from the veil but now Sirius owes Severus and Severus is ready to collect so ultimately content warning there's some animagus form sex with Sirius as padfoot um it's definitely just porn uh Severus has him pay has Sirius pay with his body obviously but then slowly catches feelings for Sirius and they I guess confess and then it's a hopeful ending but it's 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 good, but it's definitely, you know, it's a, it's a certain flavor that you have to be ready for, but I love it. So that's my last one. For this. <laughs> nice.
3: That's an aspect of uh, that ship that we didn't really talk about, that there is an mm-hmm. animatic form there. And I know I've read more than one snack fic that has some hot man-dog action. So <laughs> <Yep>. it's, uh, <laughs> it's not actually shockingly mm-hmm. good, um, especially when they manage to go into into Sirius's head and that difference when he's a dog and how his thoughts
2: mm, are different. Yes, I
3: like that too. And I've seen a couple of times where um, Snape actually notes that difference with legitimacy and, and it's really, really interesting dynamic. So I'm glad you put that one on that list. I'm like, I know I've read that one. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, Heated Acts
0: by Starry Sky Fantasy 19 is Snape, Harry, Lucius, and Draco quadrangle or whatever they call it quartet a unique sexual bond and relationship between Draco Lucius Harry and Severus and their everyday life
2: it's been a long time I don't remember much about it but I definitely read it and it's wonderful (laughs) oh good mark for later (laughs) yeah definitely a long a super long PWP I think it's it's definitely an example of how you can make 80,000 words horn so no, i think
3: <laughs> this definitely reminds me of another one that i will be do- recommending for the bdsm episode because yeah the quartet <laughs> that's pretty good yes i read that too
0: <laughs> and then the last one is the secret language of plants that is almost the last one okay the secret language of plants by Adrena. and uh how did you read this or i didn't wreck that one uh, didn't
4: no
3: anybody else wreck it?
0: No, <laughs> no, it's Snoopin' eventual Harry Snary. I
3: think, I think I started reading it, but again, it's one of those epics it's 373,000 words. And I just, I don't have the stamina for fixing that length anymore. Mm-hmm. There's so much reading
0: to do. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, sex is not the main focus but it deals with a sexually experienced Severus but simultaneously not used to emotional closeness. Which seems to be one hang, head cannon that spans various ships, and oh yes, that's true about Snape. Is him? I guess I guess I'm going back to what we talked about earlier about you know Snape learning how to be with a person and just you know having emotional closeness. Anyway, yeah, okay, and then uh, we we got a little bit of uh, art
3: to wreck oh Um, yes yeah put this fun one on here the abcs of severus snape village broom by my witch my witch is very talented you should check out all the things my witch has done um yes and i think snape's her favorite (laughs) but this series is great it's really easy to digest um Mm -hmm. because it's coloring pages the whole series of coloring pages and (laughs) it's fantastic yeah yeah it is so the the ABCs are all different characters. So it also it it appeals to the multi shippers or the people who just want a little taste of every other ship. So A is for Augusta and B is for Black and uh, I forget C is it for Charlie? Is it Charlie? It is Charlie. Um, and they're all very explicit. I mean, from that title, you might mm-hmm.
2: have guessed Village
3: Broom. <laughs> yeah i am particularly fond of uh, i think it's
4: the Ginny one
2: yes jenny's like the dom right yes she's the dominatrix that's good <laughs> i love what is it i think it's l so for <laughs> lucius malfoy or no 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 no, it's not lucius it's xenophilius love oh. and they're like in nature yeah. and like a waterfall and <gasps> stuff and then there's this frog this like is making this face and it's just it stole the show for me I mean it's a beautiful piece but then I can't remember where the frog is but it's making a face like oh my god I can't believe this is happening in my home sort of thing. Mm -hmm.
3: G is actually Gilderoy so that is a really interesting ship that I don't think I've ever read like a long fic that was good for them. I'm totally happy to prove wrong that there is one because the short one shots are so tasty. (laughs) Um, but the Ginny one is down at W for Weasley.
2: I was going to say it probably was Weasley.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Pet play in that one, too. So tasty. Oh. Bev just mm-hmm. needs to be called a good boy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's my art rec. Definitely check that out. It's a whole 26-letter series of coloring book pages that are fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, uh, forgive me, artists. I didn't really search out explicit art. But
3: another rec for explicit art that I could give is Luna P 999. She does oh, yes. amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. I've had the good fortune of having her do a piece of art for one of my fix, And that sent me on a big sprawl through everything she's done. It's so good. I, I, I can't recommend enough, just checking all of it out.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And the French press, well, we can link to her. And also Turpin Snape has Snape having shower sex. So
2: it's Pretty well. It's explicit, but it's it's very very good. We'll link to that as well. And Tumblr and Twitter, Mister Villain, aka Mister Veron, um, or no, yeah, is just fantastic. As far as even safe for work or not safe for work stuff is absolutely great. Lots of there's a snary one actually that I wrote a fic for that is just oh gosh, just such amazing. Such amazing work. Yes.
1: Uh, Lou Endland has some stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I had her draw.
2: Oh, yeah. A,
1: a pick for um, my FIC Lover Boy at Play. And I know she's done some other mm-hmm. not safe for work stuff too. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Lou Endland. I love her. So good. Yes. Okay.
0: I guess that's pretty much it. We've had a nice long mm-hmm. discussion.
2: So, yes. um, I <laughs> sure great. appreciate everyone being here. Yeah, this was great glad to be back it's been a while (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah same i uh
3: i stepped in on that rickmania
2: episode and haven't been back
3: since but it's both times have been awesome so thank you so much for inviting me
1: always love it here
0: well i appreciate you being here yes yes thanks danny and and megs you're
2: welcome
0: i guess we'll just say good night then sweet dreams bye. Bye.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah. Good job, everybody. I'll turn it off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Ready to great. Yeah. Let me know. I mean, it'll let me know, obviously. (laughs) Okay. So um, another rec that I had is perfect by you. What you, you know, know me, you, you know, know (laughs) me 93. (laughs) It's a Severus serious. And then I might not have done. Okay. And then Revenge is Sweet is by Orphan Account. So it's one that was orphaned. So we don't know who actually, no, that's not true. I do know who wrote it because someone posted it from fanfiction.net. So I'm going to have to, let me look really quick because it's at the very end of the, <laughs> so here we go. it's at the very, it's like blue something. So I'll have to get the link from fanfiction.net. Open link, entire work. So I'm not sure if someone, I think they posted it with permission, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I didn't see it until the very end of finishing, finishing the work, but Mm -hmm. there, it is still up on fanfiction.net. So if you want to read it there and comment there, you can do so. It was done. Yep. Blue Horizon 6 on fanfiction.net. So reposted and re-edited, written by Blue Horizon 6 on fanfiction.net. So it doesn't really say either way how or why it was posted, but that's who wrote that one. It's one of my favorites for sure. Oh, good. I think that's it.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All righty. Well, that should do it then. Awesome. Okay.
0: Thanks, everybody.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for and having let's me. Let's see. Us. We're looking at probably October 1st. Okay.
0: It's september yeah
2: october i'll put a link to the fuck the faculty fest then <laughs> oh yes do that because <laughs> Seb can be the student he can be the teacher we get you know have all all the fun you know oh, teacher yeah. student stuff with severus mm-hmm. so but oh yeah happen. okay well everybody have a good day thanks you too okay
0: bye. take care bye bye And there you have it. Hope it was good for you too. Check out the additional reading page on our website at snapchatpodcast.com or snapechat.podbean.com for fake recs, links, and more. And here we must say goodbye. We wish we didn't have to, but it hasn't escaped our notice that life isn't fair. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Tumblr and Twitter, email us, or leave a voicemail. We want to hear from you. Support us on coffee to help disfray the costs of production. Many thanks to Nix for her continued work on our website. Be sure to check out Care of Magical Shippers podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay snarky.